0: The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures.
1: Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, Here's your host, Steve Cass.
0: Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 38, the potpourri episode. You are at the best place for cigars and Chicago sports. Let me set the scene for you. We are at the Cigars and Sports Chicago Studios, that is at the place. 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. That's the place. The place is a cigar lounge, in case you're wondering. It's a great place to hang out, smoke a cigar, watch a game. We have a couple guys in there that like watch black and white movies. You know, I guess if that's something that you, you know, that's your jam, as they say, you can follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. And you can get this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. I am smoking a LaFleur Dominicana El Jaco Perfecto number no. two, a smooth, mild Perfecto shape. I really love this thing. And, you know, it's great smoking it here at the place, 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. And as always, I would like to introduce my. Co-host who is wearing his hat backwards tonight. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. Phil Sullivan. Phil, what are you smoking?
1: What am I smoking today? I'm I'm having a uh, Don Pepin. Uh, This is my third cigar today because I uh, participated in a charity golf outing today, which I invited some guests from the cigar lounge so we had uh, quite a day out there. It was for a great cause for the Franciscan Sisters of Chicago. We had a great day out at Ruffle Feathers Golf Course in Lamont. So we started smoking early and, uh, you know, had a wonderful day. I got to golf with my three sons today, so it's not too often I get together with all my kids. And that was uh, it was a great day. That is fantastic.
0: It sounds like a great day. As usual, I worked, but, you know, that's I know that's always boring. I do appreciate you inviting me, but, you know, I, I have to I have to do things. And, of course, it took me seven or eight hours also to prepare for this podcast tonight, so I have to do that. So, Phil, I guess the first topic I wanted to cover, we do have a number of things we want to cover. I want to talk a little soccer with Messi, even though I don't know anything about it, and I hadn't heard of him until the most recent World Cup. As you often say, I know everything about things or absolutely nothing, so I know nothing about that. I want to talk about Liv versus the PGA. i got a bunch of White Sox topics. I think you have some stuff But the first question I want to ask you is, and I'm reminded of this because I'm looking at you right now with this look, why is it that men sometimes wear their hats backwards? Why would one wear the visor in the back? I really am struggling to understand that.
1: Yeah, I don't get it either. As you said, the look I have right now, about five minutes ago, you embarrassed me to flip my hat around. So it's probably the first time in my entire life
0: do any of your attractive millennial sons wear their hat backwards
1: one of them does one out of three
0: of the three would he be the first favorite the second favorite or the third favorite son
1: oh boy that's a tough one because they all listen to the podcast so since the one that wears his hat backwards sucked at golf today so he probably wouldn't be my favorite as of today so all right. you know what are you gonna do But uh, yeah, one doesn't wear hats often and the other guy wears what we would call a more conventional. I
0: rarely wear hats. I only wear visors, but um, I rarely wear hats because I have beautiful hair and I like to have it exposed at all times. But anyway, so let's talk about some stuff that I know nothing about. So first of all. Um, this guy, Messi, I don't even know his first name, evidently signed with the MLS team in Miami. It's the David Beckham, another guy who I don't know who he is. Um, I guess he owns that team. And being that you are the show soccer aficionado, maybe you could tell me a little bit about Messi and whether this is going to make a difference in American soccer. And maybe, who knows, maybe people watch soccer and I don't know about it. Um, but what's your what are your thoughts on
1: that? Well, you know, Messi, more than likely, and, you know, once again, if I wanted to refer to my three sons who all were soccer players, they may agree with me on this. He, he probably very well could be the best soccer player that ever played the game. But you brought up his boss's name, David Beckham. When David Beckham came to the MLS, it was a big deal. He was one of the best soccer players in the world. And He came here later in his career like Messi. I believe Messi's approximately 35 years old. Uh, 35 years old for a soccer player is old. Uh, These guys have been running their whole lives. Their legs are only going to go for so many years at a top level. So David Beckham came here. And to answer your question, he made zero difference, in my opinion, of the popularity of soccer in this country. Soccer is popular in this country for youth. Uh, I don't think it's very popular for adults. Adults in this country like football. They like basketball. So are you going to go beat.
0: watch a game when the Chicago Fire are playing Miami? Are you going to go see Messi? No. Do you think that people will? Because I guess no. they sold a
1: lot of tickets. No, but I I would have seen, you know, like I you know wanted to go see a tiny play couple of weeks ago at Chicago. I would have liked to have seen Messi when he was 24 years old, but, you know, not that he's just here as an attraction to try to put asses in the seats. And, you know, these soccer players, are, a lot of them are almost worse than NBA players when it comes to sitting games out, or they got to play games for their home country, or they got to play friendlies, and then they got to take more games off. So, you know, to go see a guy at the end of his career just because he was good at one time, and the guy's still got talent now, don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, he was brought here to this country to put some asses in the seats. So people are going to show up to see this guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They'll go see him once, though, but they're not going to go back again. I mean, it's just it's just they'll go see him for the novelty of seeing him, and then that's it. You know, that'll be the end of it. That's my, my guess on it. You know, and the other reason they, I think they might have brought him here, you know, because the U.S. is hosting the next World Cup. Uh, a little unique, or it's like a North American World Cup. It, it's being hosted by Mexico, US, and Canada. And I believe that's in 26. Messi will be 38, 39 years old at that point. I, I don't even know if he'll play in the World Cup. And if he does, he's not playing for America. You know, he's going to probably play for Argentina or wherever he came from. But, uh, you know, my guess is he probably won't even play in the World Cup. By the time he's 39 years old, or he won't be very effective. So, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a hype thing. And no, I don't think it's going to make a difference in the popularity of soccer in this country.
0: Let's hit another non-typical subject for us, and I think it's a really interesting one because ultimately it may affect more than golf. What are your thoughts on this whole? Live versus the PGA thing and it's really weird because it came out of nowhere. We had no idea it was happening. We knew there was a bunch of litigation between LIV and the and the PGA, but no one knew. I mean, the tour players found out on Twitter that morning when they announced it. And basically, you know, the Saudi Arabian royal family took down the PGA Tour. We have no idea how it's going to work yet whether you know, at what point players are going to be on either events or whether they're going to fold the live schedule, because evidently they are playing it next year. But it's unbelievable that an iconic American sports institution like the PGA is now basically owned by the Saudi Arabians, because that's just the bottom line. Like, that's what happened. So, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that there was anything that the PGA could have done? I'm just curious as to your take on that whole thing.
1: Well, it's a it could be a long take on it if you wanted to take me on for a while on it. I, it this whole, what they call sports washing, these countries trying to get people to kind of forget some of their political or countries past on treatment of people and things like that, um, you know, it's a scary thought. I mean, what's next? Jeff Bezos buying the NFL? Or, uh, I mean, I don't know where this is going to lead. I, I think the the players that stayed loyal to the PGA, to me, got screwed. Uh, I think they kept certainly kept them out of the loop. They had no idea this was going to happen. Uh, but as far as the uh, future the PGA or golf, you know, because you can't even call it the PGA anymore. Uh, you know, I don't know where this is going to lead. I'm, I'm I'm not happy that. The country of Saudi Arabia, like you said, basically owns golf now.
0: And it's unbelievable because if you think about it, what if all of a sudden, you know, this Oakland A's thing is, I think it's terrible because if you saw that situation the other night with the reverse boycott where basically the A's fans all got on Twitter and got everybody to show up and they sold out the ballpark on Wednesday night when they usually get about 400 people in there and they basically – Cheered like it was a playoff game. It was unbelievable. You know, it was their seventh win in a row. And and what it showed is there is absolutely no reason what except for money and the owner and you know obviously the ballpark, but they're all related. That 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 the A's should be leaving Oakland. It's ridiculous. I obviously spent a number of years in the Bay Area in the East Bay most of the time. There is no way in hell that the A's should be moving because if they gave them a great ballpark somewhere in the East Bay, you know, assuming that they. Could you get the Giants to sign off on that. Except they would draw thirty thousand people a night. It's a it's a joke. But what if all of a sudden the Saudi Arabians were like, hey, uh, we'd like to buy um, we'd like to buy the A's. You know, the market value is uh, two billion. So then you know they go and they say, all right, we'll give you two billion for the A's. And then Major League Baseball says, no way, we're not taking, we're not letting the Saudis into, you know into Major League Baseball. And then the Saudis come back and they're like, how about this? We'll give you a hundred billion for the A's, and all of you other owners, you guys just, you know, you guys also get like three or four billion. You can just put in your pocket as well for your troubles, and we'll own the A's. And then there's no salary cap, so the A's decide that they're going to have a one billion dollar payroll. I mean, everything has its price. So what's stopping that from happening? And that's actually what worries me the most because. You know, and then it just has the, they have the ability to upend, you know, and it's not just the Saudis, but there's the ability to sort of upend sports. And it's a scary thing because you would think at some point something like that is going to happen.
1: Uh, And you're absolutely right. And what's, you know, what's out there to stop it? I mean, money and greed is what America is about and it's what sports is about. And, uh, you know, the Saudis, You know, they just, as a country, they got a bad history. I mean, grand scheme of things, they knocked uh, two buildings down in New York City 20-some years ago. And, uh, you know, it's hard for a lot of people to forget that, as they shouldn't, or they should never forget it. But, you know, you just don't know what time does to things. I mean, the Japanese blew up our naval fleet and, you know, ended up becoming a, a great ally of the United States. So, over time, so we also you know, I don't know, uh, right? I, I don't know where this is going. I, I don't particularly like it. Um, and I don't know how you put a stop to it. You know, I they're going to have to, if they want to, they're going to have to figure it out, or the owners are going to figure, like you're saying, hey, maybe my payday's coming in my sport, and maybe I don't care if it's the Saudis or North Korea or who wants to come in here and give us some money. So I don't know. It's an interesting time in sports. Uh, this, I think this golf thing is just the tip of the iceberg, though. I think we're going to see more of it. I think you're going to see things change a lot in the next 5 to 10 years with this type of situation.
0: So, Phil, i got a number of uh, White Sox things I want to talk about. Can we talk about that, please?
1: They can't be positive, but go ahead.
0: First of all, I want to give our Cubs update. Okay, that's it. So, the White Sox are... Nine games under 500 since the fateful evening of April 29th, when there was that horrendous game where Lance Lynn brought the no-hitter into the seventh, and then you know they ended up losing 12-3, and Luis Robert got benched, and all that kind of stuff, right? So since then they are a great four games over 500. So despite our joy in thinking that they were so great, they're four games. They're actually on pace. To win 70 games, so 70 and 92. Amazingly, um, West Coast baseball last night they won that game eight to four. It was unbelievable. They were up two nothing, and then of course we were texting um, when they went down four to two in the sixth, and we were all pissed off. And then amazingly got up to use the bathroom at three in the morning, and what do you know? They won eight to four. Jake Berger um, had a couple of bombs. Now amazingly, I can't believe that I'm actually complaining about this, but it appears that Mike Clevenger has a very serious injury. We don't know what it is yet. They're calling it some kind of bicep injury. But did you actually see that happen? That guy. I did see it happen. Oh, my yeah. God. He threw his arm off. That guy's in bad shape. I would right. be shocked if we see that guy, that guy again this year. And say what you want. Clevenger's actually been pretty good. He's been no worse than their third their third best starter, um, and he's gone. So I guess my my first question is, who in the hell is going to pitch? I got Cease versus Michael Grove tonight. He stinks, 828 ERA and a 160 whip in 25 innings. So they have an opportunity to win again tonight, which I guess would be nice. But what are your thoughts, I guess, just generally speaking first, on where the White Sox are and who the hell is going to pitch now that they're down to uh, – at best, four starters. You might argue they're down to three. If you take a look at how bad Lance Lynn is in a normal situation, it'd probably be DFA'd. But what are your general thoughts about the team right now? And then i got another well, specific...
1: Well, you know, my general thoughts on the team is this. Here's a question for you. When do you start the white flag trade? Well, it, it's coming or it's not coming. And for the White Sox, either the white flag trade comes whenever it's going to be necessary or... They just say, we suck, and we're just going to ride this season out sucking, and then we'll just decide next winter what to do. Because, you know, in a typical white flag trade, you trade guys that maybe you can get some value for, but assuming you're going to trade guys and get of equal value, uh, typically it could be some minor leaguers that could uh, maybe come come up because no veteran is going to turn that team around, that's for sure, not one or two guys. So... My question to you, Steve, if they had a white flag trade, what do they got to trade? Go
0: ahead. So when you say white flag trade, I wanna I wanna clarify something. If they're six, seven, eight, nine games back, it's not a white flag trade. It's just that they've gotta unload to get something at the deadline. The the reason that the white flag trade was a white flag trade was that they were only two and a half games back at the time. So they just basically said, we're not good enough to do anything anyway. And even though they were within striking distance, they basically surrendered. So that's the first premise that I think that I would like to challenge. I would like to raise because at what point do you make a trade? So let's, let's not worry about whether you're going to call it a white flag trade or not. So let me ask you this before you ask me, and I'm more than happy to go around the horn. So if the White Sox are in first place at
1: the deadline, do you do you trade guys? Well they won't at that point. Okay. I'm just asking They won't be just because of that premise. Okay,
0: that point, wait, wait, so you won't. would not trade. If let's just let's say they were I games. would.
1: Let's, I would, but they won't.
0: Let's say that they were two and a half games back and they were on an eight game winning streak. Would you trade guys then? They won't. Right, and I I would argue that they probably shouldn't. So only because if you got an opportunity to get in the playoffs, you might as well play it out. I think the question is, like, for me, I have decided that my number is, I don't know why I've decided half games, but my number is if they're more than three and a half games back, I think they should unload pretty much, certainly at a minimum, they should unload everybody who has an expiring contract so, I think you wanted to ask me specifically about players. So, I actually think they potentially have quite a bit to trade. So, why don't you, and, but maybe I'm wrong. So, why don't you walk me through that, what you were going to say. Well,
1: I mean, going back to what you just said. I mean, you've got to also look at the division they're in. The White Sox division, by August 1st, could very possibly have a team in first place that is under 500. It's possible. I mean, that's possible. So, And then that team will go nowhere in the playoffs against some of the teams that are in the playoffs. So, you know, that's just not going to happen. And it's not going to happen. My eye test with the White Sox after we just saw Clevenger go down and uh, Makata is something's wrong with that guy. He's going down. You know, that team's not going anywhere. So whatever, we'll ride it out. Let's see what happens in the rest of June and into July. Uh, My gut tells me, uh, this team is going to go on yeah. a tailspin like we've never seen before. Oh, I agree. There's no I, doubt about it.
0: I agree. I, I agree. I mean, we don't know that, but I would agree that that would be my prognosis. So,
1: right. So back to the white flag trade. Me using the term white flag is just a generic term for we suck. We give up. Okay, okay so that's I fine. Get it. We that's suck. Fine. We give up. That, that's. So, I think that's well. No, I think that's well described. So, so we'll just use it as a description. And moving on from there, then Steve, I look at this Sox lineup. What the fuck are you going to get for these guys? I mean I, I I go down the lineup and like I said if you get a trade you know and you know we're going to trade equal for equal. I don't know what you're going to get. I mean you look at their minor league system, you know, the guy that was like a top prospect in all of major league baseball, Oscar Colas, that poor guy may never see the major leagues again. No, And he was supposed to be the White Sox he was the White Black Sox superstar. number
0: one prospect, but he wasn't even right? a top hundred prospect.
1: I get that, but for the White Sox, he was their up and comer. And here's a guy that might may never sniff the major leagues again. But let's you know once again, let's go down this roster. Steve, right, go. And you tell me who would you trade?
0: Well, first of all, I go to the bullpen. So I would trade Graveman who you know I understand that he that he blew games the other night. First of all, you're always going to get something for pitching. So, I would I would absolutely trade Graveman last year of his deal. You will absolutely get, you know, a I don't know if you're going to get a top, you know, 100 prospect for him, but you're going to get you're going to get two decent prospects for him. I would trade Joe Kelly. The way he's pitched this year, you're going to get a couple of decent prospects for him. I would trade, I think that Lucas Giolito is likely to be the best pitcher available at the deadline. They are definitely going to trade him. I think he would be the first guy they're going to trade. I think you could get a top 100 prospect and two other guys for Giolito. If somebody wanted Tim Anderson... And if you take a look at what the frigging Dodgers have in the middle infield, and now, you know, you've got Ozzy and other people saying, oh, what T.A. really needs is a change of scenery. Say what you want about T.A. He's been horrible, and he's got a sub-600 OPS. I'm not defending him in any way, shape, or form. Let me just say this, so when you start getting on me, Tim Anderson sucks, okay? Period. That said, this is a guy who, since... 2018 has the second highest batting average in Major League Baseball. This is a guy who's won a Silver Slugger, who's won a batting title, who hit 300 four years in a row, and is a two-time All-Star. And he's a guy that people seem to like or whatever. You can certainly get something for him. So, yes, I would deal him. There may be some market for the guy if you can sell. Because... He, you also get him for two years, so it here's the here's why you can't really lose because if he's if you if you trade for him and he's that bad, then you don't even need to have him next year he's got a fourteen and a half million dollar option, which is really cheap so you're gonna exercise that so I would certainly trade all of those four guys right there and you're gonna get some stuff back. Let me tell you who i wouldn't trade i wouldn't trade guys. Because I would do a pseudo-retooling. You're going to have some money coming off the books. So, you know what? I I wouldn't trade. I mean, I guess I'm not saying they're untradeable. But unless somebody really wanted them, I wouldn't trade Sheets. I wouldn't trade Robert. I I might trade Jimenez. I know he's hurt all the time. I certainly wouldn't trade Berger. I got something I want to talk to you about him later. Um, I wouldn't trade Vaughn. You know what? You might find a team that has no catcher that wants Grandal. I'm not joking at all. The, the guys having, like, a decent year hitting, you get a team that has no catcher, might might make sense to do it. Do I think they're going to get some massive haul back? And I'm sorry that I'm rambling. I don't. But are there guys that I would trade? Absolutely. And I think you get something back for them.
1: Yeah, I think, the you know, what you touched on earlier, the biggest trade value they have is in their pitching staff. You know, that's where they're going to get the biggest bang for the buck. You know, you didn't even mention cease or Kopech or – um, no, but you're not going to
0: uh, trade those guys.
1: I, they're not going to trade them. I, I get that. But I'm saying the biggest trade value the Sox have talent-wise is in their pitching staff. You know, once again, like you said about Vaughn, if you go around the, you know, their field positions, you know, Vaughn's got 40 RBIs. Vaughn's not, you know, as a hitter, he's not having a bad year. You know, he's back at his natural position. I wouldn't get rid of Vaughn right now. I certainly wouldn't get rid of Berger. I mean, hell, Burger. Is hitting roughly forty percent of his hits are home runs. Yeah, he's got forty hits and fifteen home but, but runs. I don't think that's insane. insane. But I don't so, think
0: anyone is suggesting trading him. I mean, no, no.
1: See, you know, you're not going to get rid of Berger, and you know, you're more than likely not going to get rid of Robert. But now you start going around the rest of the team, and you think, okay, if we get rid of somebody, you're not going to get anything of any value. You know, Ben attendee. I'm sorry. Well, guys, it doesn't I'm matter.
0: Just, they're not you know, trading Benintendi. He's got a $75 million and, contract. You know,
1: I'm not buying into the Anderson thing with you. As you could try to talk me into that. You know what? I don't want to hear about what the guy's done in the past. I'll trade for the guy what he's doing in the present. I want to see what he's doing in the present. I don't care what he did three years ago, two years ago, five years ago. What's he doing this year? What did he kind of do last year? Tim Anderson, in my opinion, is on a decline, and I don't know if he's going to get out of that hole or not. He's getting to be an older player. You know, I just don't know if that guy's, you know, glory days are behind him. To me, it looks like it. So, uh, you know. But
0: I agree, but it's not you. Like, do you think that there would be I know a it's market? Do you, don't you think there would be a market for Tim Anderson of some kind?
1: There'll be a team that might want him, but what are we going to get for him? I don't think you're going to get you know you're going to get a, I mean, here's a the thing: a prayer, a prayer, a, a prayer, and a hope with some I, minor leagues. I
0: actually think you get some decent. Here's the the guy, even though he was hurt at the end of the year last year, the guy hit 301 last year. The guy before this year has hit. If you want to look at batting average, the guy before this year, it's hit 301, 309, 322 and 335. His OPS pre this year was 734, 807, 886, and 865. So I realize he's having a bad year, but I do think you could make the change of scenery argument with him. And in addition to that, he's cheap, and you get an additional year
1: if you want it. You're going to get stuff for Tim Anderson. Uh, you are. I, I just don't like, you know, when I watch these Sox games, I don't like how the guy carries himself. I agree, I don't but that's like, not the I point. I don't like and I, I you know so is he just jogging the first base thinking, "Well, some team's going to see me jogging, but they're going to know when I go to their team, I'm going to hustle." Uh I you know I I just I don't see it in him. I, I just I think the guy's on a decline and I don't think he's just having a bad year. I think he's got more bad years ahead of him. Okay, I
0: agree with everything that you just said. I agree with everything you just said. But what I don't agree with, I do think there's some market for him. And the question is, what are you going to get for him? You know, might you get a couple of prospects or whatever? Yes. Take a look at the Dodgers. They're a World Series contender with no middle infield. Like, I mean, they played their right fielder, Mookie Betts, the first night at shortstop and the second night at second base. Like, I mean, they have no middle infield. So I, I'm going to tell you, I think they're going to trade him. I think you're going to trade him with the Dodgers, and I think they're going to they're going to get something for him.
1: Well, and then one, you know, an odd thing with baseball, I've always I've been in this opinion. This goes way back. When decent players switch leagues, they tend to do very well, very quickly. They they might not carry that very well playing for a long time, but it's just odd when they switch leagues, they they, they tend to do pretty good. Well, when I don't switch. really when have the data on that. a decent ball player switches leagues, but yeah. and I don't know what that is, but I agree with you. The Dodgers, there'll be a team that'll take Anderson. You know, he might have some spark left in him. I just don't like what I've seen this year with that guy. It's one thing to have a down year, but it's another thing to not hustle. It's another thing to not concentrate. I think his physical errors are just many of them are just pure lack of concentration. Um, so I don't know what kind of funk this guy's in. But uh, I don't think he's going to snap out of it. I don't think he's going to snap out of it this year with the White Sox. That's for sure. Maybe the guy's in a funk because he's pissed off that he's only getting played $14 million and he thinks he should be getting a lot more. You know what? Too bad, Tim. You signed the contracts. It's the way it goes. Keep hustling. Keep playing. But I don't see it in him.
0: Okay. And in fairness, he's not complaining about his contract. But I agree with everything you're saying, except for the fact that I think there's some market for him. We're going to come back to Tim Anderson in a minute. I want to talk to you about another topic here real quick. So, Because the White Sox suck and because most of their players either suck or are having bad years or injured, um, they're probably going to be one of the teams that has one all-star. So who do you think that that all-star should be and will be?
1: I would love to see it be Jake Berger. So I'd love to see a guy get a shot at an all-star game when he's having kind of an all-star season, certainly with the bat. Uh, I think more than likely it's going to be uh, LRJ. That'll be my guess. If they got one all-star, that's probably who it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be a pitcher.
0: So I I agree with you. So kind of interesting numbers. So Luis Robert has got 16 home runs and 35 RBIs and an 851 OPS and 260 at-bats. He also is... He's also got the highest defensive war and the most defensive runs saved, you know, of any center fielder in Major League Baseball. So, and I think that matters, like meaning he's been really good defensively. He's been a very valuable player, um, despite, you know, whether you love him or you don't or whatever. The guy's, having a very, the guy's having a very good year. You know, he gives you a lot of extra kind of war value because he's a tremendous defensive player. Okay, but so remember that for a minute. 16 home runs, 35 RBIs, 851 OPS. Jake Frigging Berger has got 15 home runs, 35 RBIs, so basically the same numbers, and an 899
1: OPS. He's got he's got 90 less at bats. Okay. Than Luis Robert, 90 so less at bats. So that's that's the spoiler. He's actually got
0: a hundred less at bats. He's got 160 at bats. And 15 home runs. The guy is averaging a home run one every 10 at bats. You know who's comparable to that? Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, friggin' Mark McGuire. The guy, that second home run the guy hit last night was a friggin' missile. And I'm just telling you right now, Luis Robert is fifth in the American League in home runs. That's great. Jake Berger with 160 at-bats. He started the freaking season in the minor leagues. He's sixth in the American League in home runs. Think about it this way. Shohei Otani, who's going to get $550 million this offseason, and I realize you can't compare it. He's leading the American League in home runs with 21, but he's got 264 at-bats. He's got 104 more at-bats than Berger, and he's got five more home runs. You know what? i got to tell you, with an 899 OPS and 160 at-bats and 15 home runs, I think I might make the case. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure if they were going to pick one guy, and, and I like Luis Robert. Uh, I don't have a problem with him, And and I understand that he is legitimately – here's the deal. Luis Robert is a legitimate five-tool player, and I would argue – and this is an interesting thing because you can debate this in a minute – I think Luis Robert is the most talented baseball player in Chicago White Sox history, and I don't even think there's anything close. I think if you just talk about overall talent, Luis Robert, most talented player in White Sox history. I'm not saying he has the best numbers, I'm not saying he's the ultimate champion, I'm not saying, I'm just saying pure talent. But that said, all of that said, I think if I had to choose today between Berger and Robert, I think I might choose Berger, and I think I might just make him a DH. You know, I'd pick him as a DH in the uh, in the All-Star game. I think I'd pick Jake Berger.
1: Yeah, I mean, because, like you said, the numbers are very comparable. I mean, Luis Roberts got 66 hits. Berger's got 40. But Luis Roberts got 100 more bats. They both are pretty much averaging 25% of the time they get a hit. You know, but Berger's averaging almost 40% of those hits are homers. It's insane what that guy's doing, like you're saying. Absolutely I, I agree.
0: I, I do. I, I do want to say though, you know, we always complain about defense. So you got to be fair. You know what I mean? And Luis Robert is. I understand he's made. You know, he's made a mistake here or there. He is spectacular in center field, and. He does it like his, the jumps that he gets and the, and the lines that he takes to the ball, the guy is spectacular in the outfield and you got to give him something for that. But I think I'm going with Jake Berger, but I got something even better than that. So, because here's what I think, and I, we have never talked about this. By the way, I do think that Luis Robert probably will be the all-star, regardless of what we think. Uh, you know, but I, but I think it's a good argument to have. I do think Luis Robert will be the all-star. But here's the thing. We have not talked about this. Get ready for this. Imagine Jake Berger in the home run derby. Oh, yeah. I have not even thought about that before today. If there is a guy. Who needs to be in the home run derby and who will become a national celebrity if he does well? Jake Berger is the home run derby man.
1: Thoughts? That's why I think giving this guy a shot one time in the All Star game. It just sentimentally, but you know, forget the sentimental. Put him in the home run derby. You know, I agree with you, Luis Robert Fielding. If you want to do the thing, I mean, Jake Berger is hit and miss third baseman or wherever they put him. He's just all heart. uh, but certainly not the physical talent remotely that Luis Robert has in the field. But uh, just Jake Berger guy, and, and why, you know, I hate to go off track slightly here. Why is Jake Berger not batting one or two in the lineup? is certainly number two in the lineup. Well, I'm the you know, you've, got, you've got your one, two guys in the White Sox lineup that got OPSs of about 600. You got Berger with an 899 OPS, and they don't even have a home run between them. Between the two guys. They I, haven't had a home run in a, Anderson hasn't hit a home run in almost a year. I, you know.
0: I think the fa- I, I, I think in it. fairness, you know, as you know, I've been the one that said that Jake Berger should be actually batting first or second. So so I agree with right. you. I agree with you. But right. I but I, I see the argument because that because of the strikeouts and he you know he struggles to get on base his OPS is very slug heavy now I certainly would not be batting him sixth or seventh you know and actually tonight you know tonight he's batting fifth so I probably don't agree with that either but no I I don't I don't disagree with you but one last thing I want to say about Jake Berger because I just think that like he deserves this so the guy is hitting the guy's career numbers you know you talk about sentimental and this guy missed three years he's twenty seven years old but he missed three years because he was hurt okay guy was a first round pick he was one of the best hitters in the country so it's not like this is some accident like this is actually what they thought Jake Berger was when they drafted the guy but here's the thing man his he's only had three hundred and sixty six career at bats you know average two fifty one in 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 frigging 366 at-bats, he's got 24, you know, career home runs, 64 RBIs, and an 826 OPS. So it's not like that one out of every 10 at-bats is crazy. I mean, for his career, he's like one out of 12 at-bats. And again, in in limited sample size, 366 at-bats, this guy might turn out to be a really good player. And now that Mankata is down... I mean if Jake Berger, Jake Berger plays a decent third I'm starting to think that maybe I mean you can't get rid of Mankata because he gets paid you know 20, he's got like 35 million left between this year and last year nobody's nobody's taking mankata um, so I guess you have to leave him out there and put him at, put him a third but my god like Jake Berger at a minimum needs to be in the lineup every night because the guys the guy's really really good
1: well and you know we, we had a discussion the other day some of the greatest players in the history of the game. Let alone hitters, you know, lead the history of the game in strikeouts. Uh, you know, Berger's got 50 strikeouts. Roberts got 78 strikeouts. You know, Vaughn's got 50 some, I think, strikeouts. Or, you know, power hitters strike out. I mean, it's just the way it is in the game. It always has been. So, I, you know, I'm not down on him one iota for his strikeouts.
0: I'm not saying I'm down on him for for his strikeouts, but his strikeout rate is not normal meaning his strikeout rate is like 30, is like 32%. That's a really, really high strikeout rate. So, I mean, that's really all I'm saying.
1: Well, so is Robert at 78 strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got 28 more strikeouts, but he's got 100 more at-bats. So he's, you know, a fourth of those are extra bats are strikeouts.
0: No, I mean, that that's, I mean, that's fair. I'm, I'm just saying that's probably the reason. All right, I got another, I got another White Sox topic and it's, and we're unfortunately gonna reprise back to your favorite player for a minute. So we both listened to that TA interview on The Pivot um, with uh, Ryan Clark. And by the way, I thought that Ryan Clark is a tr- terrific interviewer. I thought he did a really good job. And I found that TA, it's funny, because I, you know, it was about an hour and 15 minutes and I first started listening to it, and I'm like, oh, am I really gonna listen to this whole thing? And I got locked in. I know you listen to the whole thing too. I found it very interesting. And this, again, we don't need to go into, like, whether you love Tim Anderson or you hate him or he sucks or whatever. I just thought it was interesting. Like, I was I just thought his whole – Family background was interesting you know i obviously I thought the you know the baby mama stuff was interesting and how he he owned that you know I thought you know the whole thing about being black and playing baseball I thought that was really interesting, and I think that he certainly has you know a lot more credibility than I do because I don't walk in his shoes and I don't know what he feels, but what did you think of that interview i was I thought it was incredibly interesting I know a lot of people uh listen to it and I just i don't know I was glad he did it because I thought it was really cool thoughts?
1: It was cool that he spilled his beans, I guess. Uh, he brought up things about him. I didn't realize, and he brought up things that I personally don't like, you know, I am not a big fan of, you know, having bunches of kids out of wedlock and maybe not paying attention to a few of them. And, uh, uh, you know, so that's, to me, that's a character well, thing. Well, uh, he
0: is paying attention to him. That was the whole point. Like, I'm well, just not really big into character yeah, assassination, right. except no. for if it's Trump or, or De sanctimonious. I, other I than that, I don't yeah. make, you know, I don't.
1: Right. And, and this thing about the, uh, you know, about being a black major leaguer, uh, I think I mentioned this to you the other night. I want to, you know, to say, hey, Tim, guess what? It's professional sports. And you know what, Tim? If you're in the minor leagues and you're in Triple A and you're almost going to get there, you know, and there's a black shortstop and a Puerto Rican shortstop and a Cuban shortstop and a white shortstop, and guess which one's going to get to the major leagues? The best player is going to get to the major leagues. That's who's going there.
0: But uh, right. so let me just respond but, to that, because I, I just want to be fair. You're entitled to your interpretation or your opinion, whatever you, you know, whatever you want. But I just want to say, uh, he what? He wasn't saying that he was just simply saying that when you're the only black guy it's just lonely he wasn't making he wasn't making any racism comment he didn't make he didn't make any comment like that at all the entire hour and 15 minutes he was just saying that when you're used to hanging around with black dudes your whole life and then there is not somebody like you, you know, that he just, he he wasn't even complaining. He was just saying that there have been a lot of times where he's just lonely because he didn't have a click. And I, and all I'm saying is like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, ripping you. I'm just saying, I just found that interesting because he's entitled to feel how he feels. And I, one of the things that I liked about him is he didn't, he wasn't, he didn't complain about his contract He didn't say, like, he said that he's made decisions in his life that, you know, that he's got to own and that he's going to, you know, that he had this kid out of wedlock and it's just as much as his son as any of his other kids. And he made that decision. He didn't complain about his, he didn't complain about his job or his contract or the White Sox or his teammates. He was just saying, he was just talking about himself. And that's why I kind of liked it. Like he was not. He was not complaining, like, at all. Like, he didn't complain about anything. He was just telling you, like, this is how I feel, and it had to do with him. Like, I thought it was pretty cool because he owned everything. He didn't blame anyone. He didn't complain. And, that, and again, you don't have to like him. You don't have to think that he's good. You know, I and I'll give you an example. I thought he showed himself to be very, I guess I would say maybe not knowledgeable about how contracts work or maybe, maybe not self-aware related to his own contract when he, when they asked him the question about, do you want to play second? And he was like, no, I want to play short. But then they asked him why. And he said, because I want to get paid like a shortstop, you know, but I'll talk about going to second base after I sign a shortstop contract. Well, it doesn't work that way. Like if you're going to sign a shortstop contract, you get paid for what you're doing going forward. If somebody's going to talk to you about playing second base, they're going to sign you and tell you that they want you playing second base. And that's why they're going to pay you less money. So you know, I mean, that's my interpretation of that. So, I, I, But that said, he didn't complain. They asked him, do you want the White Sox to pick up your option? And he said, if they pick up my option, that's cool. If they don't pick up my option, that's cool. That's exactly what he And that's fine. Like, I get it. Like, it, he didn't even say he doesn't want to be here because I'm guessing that if they wanted to not pick up his option and negotiate a longer term deal, and they're not going to do that. But, you know, I would guess that he'd think that was cool, too. So I, I don't know.
1: Well, it was. A, I agree with you. In the fact, it was a great interview. It really was. It was. Uh, it was very insightful to see a part of Tim Anderson that uh, I personally didn't have an in-depth background on him. So, I thought the interview came across uh, very informative. Let's put it that way. And I got to tell you, and I do I, like. I do like what he named his kid too. Seven. I thought that was interesting. Seven.
0: So that's or another seven, thing. For sure. Seven. That's another thing that in my. Uh, more mature uh, years of non of non judgment. I have now come around to whatever you want to name your kids, unless you're going to name them something that like clearly is going to get them slaughtered or something in school. Um, that I'm I don't care what you name your kid. I actually think it's a pretty cool name, and I I like it. And and actually, it has a good nickname, which is Sev. I think that's a really good name. What's your name, Sev Anderson? I think that's a good name. I kind of like it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, nobody should do that. You know, pur- purposely name their kid something that's going to get them brutalized. You know, we have a friend at the Cigar Lounge that has a name that probably caused him a lot of grief in his youth. So, yeah, I wouldn't do that to my kid at all.
0: Does so. it rhyme with Richard? All right. Yes. So um, right, right. right,
1: right. So right. hey we man, we won't reveal he, his we won't reveal his last hey, name, but
0: he's tough. Uh, you know, he's tough, yeah. and he and he, he's tough, and he turned out fine. So you know, not
1: he did. Not he turned out just fine. Yes, it, from the background he came from. Uh, He's an amazing friend and an amazing man and what he's accomplished, that's for sure. It, It certainly didn't hinder him in life. But I would
0: encourage anyone who did not listen to that interview to listen to it. You know, and the fact that, you know, his father was in prison for his entire childhood and that he has a relationship with him now and that he didn't grow up with his mother and he just sort of showed up at an aunt's house who had other kids and he didn't feel like... You know, he didn't feel like he had the same, you know, sort of, you know, he didn't feel like he was as important as their kids and whatever. And again, he didn't complain about a damn thing, which is the, that's the thing that I respected most about it is that, you know what? We've all had issues and everyone has problems. I understand. And, and all he was doing was talking about it. He was not complaining. He was just saying. You know what? And Ryan Clark was making the point about how his father went to prison for, like, decades for, you know, for a, a, a drug possession thing that he, you know, that you know, he certainly now he wouldn't have gone to jail for that long or whatever. And you know what? T.A. didn't even bite on that. He just said, like, he was in prison. He didn't make a point about why. So I just thought it was really interesting. Phil, what else do you have? What do you want to talk about?
1: Who's the best player in the NBA? Oh my God,
0: Nikola Jokic! It's not even a question. The guy is unbelievable. I
1: can't let I can't believe we got that slip bias. The NBA Finals and the NHL Finals. Maybe we could touch a little bit on that next week. Now but we may have yeah. to revise
0: uh, on it for a minute because that
1: that, uh, that NBA Finals. Uh, that guy is a freak. Let's just put it that you can't say it any other way.
0: Jokic might be he might be the best player in the history of the league. The guy. The guy is like the Otani of basketball. He does everything. You want that guy to run the point and like bring the ball down? Fine. You want that guy to get 22 assists, like running the you know running the passing game through the you know through the top of the key or like just going down low and and kicking the ball out. You want that guy to play with his back to the basket? He does that. You want that guy to shoot threes? He does. The guy is amazing. The the guy is unstoppable. And he's already got two MVPs. I mean, I realize he's 28. That guy, I mean, Jordan had five MVPs. That guy could have five, and he should have gotten the MVP this year. That guy could end up having like six or seven MVPs and four or five or six championships. The guy is unbelievable. And by the way, after seeing his brothers at the end of that game the other night, I think we need to sign them up too. That was incredible.
1: Yeah. Though, I just thought I'd bring that up real quickly. But, yeah, that was uh, – he is an absolute freak of a physical presence on a basketball court. I've never seen a player with that kind of physicality. I thought LeBron James had a physique and a body that could go through anything. This guy, it, it, you can't even explain it. its uh, I, I think that's a good
0: comparison. I think yeah, that's actually a yeah. good comparison because that's the thing, is that he's got all the skills – and he's got this just dominant body. And then, and the funny thing was, too, you know, about Jokic is that, you know, you have people talk about, oh, he's chubby, he's whatever. You know what that tells me? Those people don't follow the NBA because, yeah, when Jokic first got drafted, he might have been a little chubby. And by the way, when Jokic first got drafted, I don't care. Unless you're a hardcore NBA fan, he was a second round pick. You never saw him, you didn't know anything about him. Jokic is friggin' ripped. That guy has, like, no body fat. He is so strong. You know, the whole deal where he goes and, like, lifts for an hour after every game. That guy is incredible. Phil, that's uh, episode 39, uh, Cigars and Sports Chicago in the books. Thanks for coming today.
1: Cool. Thanks, Bear. Talk to you. Sugar, no Magnolia, Blossom's blooming. That's all the and I don't care. So might be down by the river. Who should have to come up soon for dear. Sweet blossom, come on. Under the willow, we can have high times if you look back We can discover the wonders of nature Rolling in the rushes down by
0: the riverside